Oh, the Peppers take us to the top of the hour, 901 in the Capital Region. Kevin Carey is here, and we'll bring in uh, Alberta Golden Bears head coach Chris Morris to the program after a great win last weekend in Saskatchewan. Coach Morris, uh, how are you doing this morning? Good, Kevin. How are you doing? Oh, just great. Congratulations on the win and your 3-0 and start to, to the season. Uh, it's very well-deserved. You guys have worked so hard uh, to get to where you are. Uh, what was working for you in Saskatchewan to uh, defeat the Huskies last Friday? Yeah, I think the guys were just ready to go. Like they, We showed up, and uh, we, we have a really nice, mature team this year. We have a bunch of guys who have been, you know, they've played quite a few games, and they're all starting for us now, and uh, they knew the moment, and the moment wasn't too big for them, and they showed up, and we were, yeah, we were very, very impressive, especially early in the first half, and then, you know, we had a couple little mistakes in the, at the end of the second quarter that set us back a little bit, mm-hmm. but, like, we were, yeah, the, I think just the mindset of the kids was very impressive. Yeah, the trip home must have been a, a great one when you, you saw what happened down the road in Regina with the Elks beating the Riders, so it was kind of a good a good night for, you know, football in Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to it's always good to beat Saskatchewan. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Matthew Peterson had almost 300 yards uh, of all-purpose yards. Um, tell us a little bit about this player for you. Yeah, so I coached Matthew when I was coaching the U18 team for the province. Um, he's a group of kids that came with me from when I was coaching that team, and I always thought Matt. Like, we had Ed Nicky here, who was a tremendous back, who won the Heck Crichton Trophy, and and when I was coaching Matt when he was a young man, I I, I really really thought he was very similar to Ed in the way he ran the ball. I just thought he was a little bit faster. Um, and Matt's just been here working his tail off. Like I was just talking to the team meeting the other day, like when Matthew showed up here, you know, he ran like a four nine forty, five flat forty, and he like he tested this year under four six. Um, his all the strength testing has been off the charts. He's just worked his tail off since he's since the moment he got here. And now he's running behind a good mature offensive line and he's a mature back that, you know, it's it's you take some courage to step in and tackle Matthew right now. He's he's playing with some ferocity and yeah, he's just really developed both on and off the field. Just a great kid, and we're you know happy to be coaching him for sure. Uh, Chris Morris, uh, head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears football team, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, uh, coach Morris, uh, I was lucky enough to be following uh, Eli Hetlinger for a long time back to his uh, days as a starting quarterback with the Harry Ainley Titans. How has his progression impressed you uh, taking over uh, as the pivot for your squad? Yeah, Eli's, uh, Eli's a very impressive young man. Like he's, uh, he's tremendous in the classroom, tremendous leader in our program. Um, he redshirted actually with us for a couple years. They did the COVID year and then one year after in the abbreviated season because we knew he had something special and we wanted to have his best five years. You know, I think he's even, even as impressive as he's been, I think he's scratching the surface of what he can be. He's, uh, he, you know, you don't know what what that position can look like until you get someone who's who's pretty special. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, when he's in there, you know, some good things are going to happen. You know, he's going to take care of you. And he's, uh, yeah, just a very impressive young man. He's been that way since he, you know, we <laughs> we had him out practicing with us when he was playing for the Edmonton Chargers. We used to bring those young kids out and practice with us on our Thanksgiving week. So I can remember him from way back then. He went to Edmonton Elks camp uh, just to kind of sniff things out. To how much do you think that helped him going into this year? Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny because he went to that camp. He, he and they embraced him and looked after him, but he didn't get a whole bunch of reps there. Mm-hmm. But my word from the camp was that every single rep that was taken, he was 
right behind the quarterback who was taking the rep, taking the drop and, and, and doing the read and making sure he knew what he was supposed to be doing. And that's, that's Eli through and through. Like, whatever experience you give him, he's going to just suck the, you know, yeah. any merit, anything he can get out of it, he's going to get out of it. Yeah. And he's, uh, that's why he's so, that, I'm telling you, Kevin, that's why he's going to be in, in his special because he just, he has that urge, that constant desire to get better. And he loves the game. And, and that's, uh, that's a, you know, it's one of the attributes that allows someone to become special at a sport, and that he sure got it. Yeah, you would call him a, a total sponge. That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's Eli Hetlinger, uh, quarterback for the Bears, that uh, Chris Morris is talking about. Um, on offense, I mean, it, it seems everything's firing on all, all cylinders too. And just kind of touch on the kicking game. How impressed you've been with your kicking game as well? Yeah, again, that's another kid, the Calgary kid, Jonathan Gustini. He's been our kicker here for several years. He was an all-star a couple of years ago. Um, like one of, I think one of the best place kickers in the nation. I think he can be playing in the CFL someday, a place kicker. Yeah, he, he says he's not a kicker because he's also probably the best free safety in the conference. So it's, sometimes it's funny talking to him because he, he wants, you know, he wants to play safety at the highest level. So, but he is a tremendous kicker. Our special teams, you know, we have a new special teams coordinator this year, Daniel Nesbitt joined us he was a masters of coaching student here with us uh for a couple years and then we decided to keep him on and he's worked with our linebackers and now he's doing our special teams and he's doing a tremendous job working with those kids and yeah we have a long way to go still kevin like we there's lots of area for us to improve but we're 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 certainly we certainly have embraced the idea that if we just get a little bit better every day we're going to be okay and this group's certainly doing that right now Chris Morris is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your defense, uh, Chris. Uh, I mean, to go into Saskatoon, and, I mean, Griffith Stadium, is, is a, it's a tough place to play and tough place to be successful. Uh, what have been the keys for you defensively this year? Yeah, you know, again, the, just the, the veteran the veteran leadership we're getting right now. You know, we have some guys on our defense that have been with us for many years now and that are playing at a really high level. Like I think of Tyshawn Blackburn and Charlie DeLand in our secondary and Jonathan Gastini, just to mention three, like that, that secondary. You know, I used to have a coach here a few years ago named Wade DuPont. He's, he's back in Saskatoon now looking after his parents, but he, he was a tremendous coach here for, for several years. We're hoping to get him back at some point when, when that resolves itself. But he, he talked, always talked about games played. Like how many games played do we have in the secondary? How many games have they played together, right? And, and we had some talent. For a few years we've had some talent, but we, the games played are now starting to really add up for those kids in the secondary. And in our linebacking core, like Reese Flunder's a tremendous player. Chase Tattern, you know, our – Cole Priestley is our Sam linebacker doing really well. And then that our defensive line, we, you know, Quadwell Bohan is a kid we got from Calgary who went to Calgary Stampeders uh, training camp last year, got sent back for his final year of eligibility. Him, Ty Anderson's a young emerging player. And then our old warhorse, Riley Safransky. Like, I've been coaching Riley since he's nine years old when I was with the Edmonton Mustangs with him. And he's just a... You'll never find a higher character kid who works his tail off. And they're just all, Kevin, they're all just physically mature and they've played together for a while. And that's, you got a chance when you got kids that are, you know, in Canada West, if you're not 22, 23 years old, you're, you're outmanned a little bit. And we, we got a bunch of kids that age that have played together for a while now. Yeah, and did that COVID year, did it sort of help, uh, I don't know, fast track might be the wrong word, but, you know, maybe kids were that were in their first year or something like that, did that help them where they are now, Chris? Yeah, I think so. You know, the biggest thing, honestly, with our defense has been A.J. Gass. Like, he has been, like, him coming in and just sort of be, and sort of 
gluing everything together and getting those guys to play together and and inspiring that group and having them believe in themselves. Like he's a he is a first class defensive coordinator and getting him in and having finally having enough money to hire a defensive coordinator that is a full-time person was a huge step forward for us as a program like it's a way different deal when you got guys coming in after work at five o'clock and, <laughs> and trying to get prepared as opposed to having someone there all day to get that defense ready and he you know we got the right guy there he's doing such a great job for us uh, touch on your coaching staff a, a, a little bit, Chris. Uh, you know, and you also you've had Rick Walters there for a while too. Just kind of touch on how important your staff and what they've me- uh, meant to the program. Yeah, it's you know building the staff has been I think the one of the most challenging parts, Kevin. There's not a lot of money here, right? Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of guys working here. Like there's a lot of my staff that work for very little money. Yeah. We got guys that are here. You know, just we're paying their rent basically, and they're and they're staying here in town and <laughs> and working for us for a whole season, and that's that's kind of the way it works here. We don't we don't get a whole bunch of funding for football, so we have to raise a lot of it ourselves. So like our our if you look at our staff and our look at it, like AJ obviously is a cornerstone of our defense, but Daniel Nesbitt and actually his dad Greg who came from Regina. Um, He's like a 40-year coach working with our D-line, working alongside Brent Corday with our defensive line. Those guys are mm-hmm. football junkies. They just will do anything. Like they, they love football. You talk about Eli and those, those sponge-type people. They're just football fanatics, right? And then you look you know, at our, uh, our secondary and bringing in Jordan Lieberman was the head of the BC Minor Football Association, and he coached at the college level for several years. We recruited his son because we really think he's going to be a special free safety down the, down the line. And then I got to know Jordan and started talking to him and saw him for, by some miracle we convinced him to come help us. So he's, he's working with our secondary now. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously Rick with, uh, with Smith Wright, who's, who's our strength and conditioning coach. They work together on it. And Ryan Brower we brought in, who used to run the Peak School of Football out in Sherwood Park. And him and Aaron Olba are working with our receiving core now. And Peter Kajuska has come on to help mm-hmm. me with the offensive line. So we got a really nice, just such a good group of people. And they all care about the kids, and they all want these guys to, to achieve everything they can on and off the field. And, they're, and we have a lot of football knowledge now in our staff. And, Kevin, I'm telling you, just having the, having the ability to have those guys working during the day and getting prepared and, and actually making this thing into, like, there's credible programs and there's programs that are just sort of functioning. If you're not working all day with several people to come up with a game plan and to prepare for practice, like you're really not going to be in the mix. And that's kind of where we were for a few years, but we're in the mix now. We've got smart, dedicated people working all day long to prepare our kids. And that's, that's where you need to be. Um, Chris Morris, our guest on uh, sports 1440, you know, your recruiting has been outstanding uh, for a lot of years, but the thing is that people think that, oh, you, you do it uh, kind of at the end of high school football season. You guys started yep. way before, and you were kind of trendsetting in this. I think you were kind of ahead of the curve. Can you describe how that process has gone for this program and how you've kind of been maybe a, ahead of some other teams uh, in Canada West? Yeah, I don't know if we're ahead. I, mm-hmm. I think we do it a little different. We're, we're really a relationship-based thing here. Like, we, when we, were, we don't we – don't, splatter recruit like we don't just send out 10,000 emails and like we what we do is we we're very very attentive to the kids we want to recruit and then when we start recruiting them 
We have a process we go through, and I have my recruiting coordinator here, Terry Basker. He helps me with this to make sure everything stays on track. But, you know, we'll talk to a kid, and I'll sit down, and I'll talk to that kid myself. Every kid we deal with, I talk to him first. And it's about, here's our core values. Here's what we do here at U of A. You know, we're faith football, you know, faith family first, school second, football third, growth service excellence. We talk about the pillars we're building this program around, what we expect of our guys, our academic supports, our football development, all those things. And then if it's like, man, if you like what you hear and, and you think this is something you'd like to do, then let's start talking football. And what we do then is the next meetings with my defensive coordinator and my offensive coordinator, and they go through the mm-hmm. football piece. Then I meet with them again, and we, we bring them in for a visit, and we show them around. And we, you know, it, it's, it's a long process with us, Kevin, where we start early. Like those younger kids, I'll reach out to them when they're in grade 9 and 10 sometimes and just say, hey, man, how are your marks? Like, where are you doing? How are you doing with school? And I'll sit down with them sometimes and go through their schedules and be like, this is where you need to be if you want to get into university. So you sort of lay those seeds when they're young just talking about what they need to be able to do and then when they start getting to that grade 10 11 12 range you start that active recruitment process and we've been very successful with that i think just because we do spend a lot of time and care on it and it's important to us to bring the right people in here so it's i don't like i said i don't Mm -hmm. think we're ahead i just think we do it a little bit different than a lot of places well you're doing a good job at it Uh, one last one for chris morris Uh, so man uh, you you go from the 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 frying pan into the fire here on friday a a big win in saskatchewan tough place to play but now you go to ubc uh you guys and ubc are three and all just kind of tee up uh, a battle of unbeatens uh, for friday night yeah, they're a very, very good football team. Like, when you watch them play, I think they have one of the most prolific offenses probably in the country. They're really, really good on the line of scrimmage. They have some great skill players. They have, the, you know, they're that Rooker kid from Texas, he's a very good quarterback for them. Um, our defense is very, very strong this year, and they're going to be challenged by that group. It's going to be fun to watch that, that uh, matchup for sure. Um, our offense compared to their defense, like they have the number one defense in the conference right now. Like they have you know, the fewest points allowed, I think, in the conference. So this is going to be a really, really good game, Kevin. Like we have to be very physical with these guys. We have to go in there with the mentality that, you know what, we're going to beat them up a little bit. We have to be able to execute if we, if we know exactly what to do and how to do it. I think we're going to be right there, and we'll see what happens. Chris, uh, thanks for jumping on this morning. Best of luck uh, Friday in UBC and continued uh, success this season. Thanks, Kevin. Much appreciated. All right, that's uh, Alberta Golden Bears head coach Chris Morris. Uh, 3-0 and to start the year. UBC 3-0 and showdown in Vancouver on Friday night. When we come back, Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick will join us on the uh, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Yeah, welcome back to the big program. Our regular Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, feeling a little under the weather today. Couldn't make it in, uh, but David Schlemko is powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Cougar paintandcollision.com. Um, maybe they could power up Dave, make him feel a little better. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. And we bring in Jeff Merrick from Rogers Sportsnet. Morning, Jeff. How are things going out east for you? Uh, yeah, things are great. Uh, when I think of the name David Schlemko, I think <laughs> about the Medicine Hat Tigers yes. and that really speedy team with Chris Russell. Um, and I think about the shootout winner against the Boston Bruins and Tuka Rask in one of the best, in, in one of the best mm-hmm. uh, Forsberg moves that we've ever seen in a shootout, which is really the Kent Nielsen move from the World Championships years, years previous, but that's for another story. The one thing that's great about the way that Schlemko did it is 
Rask knows that he's beat, and instead mm-hmm. of stretching out to try to make the save, he just leaves the net. <laughs> and it's a it's a great play by Schlemko, who you know, much like Merrick Malik against the Washington Capitals, and no one expected mm-hmm. that move from that player. But when I think of Schlemko, it's really hard not to think about that moment. Well, you know, Jeff. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, Schlemmer talked about it for about 20 minutes on the oh, show. Yeah? So, yeah, and then uh, and then last week uh, we had Willie Desjardins on the show. And, oh, and he, he would now he would have coached him in Medicine Hat. Yeah, Willie was the head coach okay. for for uh, David for three years at Medicine Hat, and, and and as you mentioned, Chris Russell was there as a young 16 year old as well. And probably led the team in scoring every single year. That was that was Chris Russell back then. Um, wow, what a uh, what what a speedy team that was. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, would Darren Helm would have been on that team? Um, too? You, I, I want to say that Helm was on that squad too. If you listen to Schlemmer, uh, he says he ran the first power play. And Chris Russell oh, ran yeah. the second power play. But a lot of Schlemmer's stories are kind of getting a little bit cloudy, you know. He seems to. He seems not to remember okay. the medicine hat days too well. That's a, that's 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 all right. We get a little bit of all the the stories get yeah. a little more stretched. The noses get a little bit longer, and mm-hmm. you know you start saying things like "I've got a million stories," and some of them are even true. And Darren Helm did play on that team uh, in the last there. year okay. for sure. What a, what a fast team! What a fast medicine hat team! Derek was. Dorsett, another speedy. Oh. And tough. <laughs> um, another guy you would, and yes, uh, and Tyler Ennis was a 16-year-old in Schlemko's last year. Speaking of water bugs and fast hockey players, yeah, that's a uh, that's a speedy squad right there. Mm, the, uh, for sure. The Medicine Hat Tigers, absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, so your partner, uh, Elliot Friedman, was here yesterday, and uh, he showed up uh, uh, four holes late because he was busy working. He showed yeah. up just a bit late for the uh, Barry Cates Memorial Golf Tournament. So got yep. to talk to him briefly uh, last night. Uh, so he's out here working. Sorry, sorry, to, he- sorry to hear that. <laughs> um, why do you think the two of you have such a great dynamic uh, when you do the 32 Thoughts uh, podcast? Uh, wow. That's, first of all, it's a, a big compliment. Thank you. Um, you know, I think that we're, I think that we're both of the same mind. I think we're, we're both... You know, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it all the way. If you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. I think both of us have been, you know, obsessed about hockey our entire lives and, you know, probably kicked out a lot of important, relevant information that would be helpful for our lives in order to make room for hockey information in our brain space. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Elliot and I are the same vintage. We broke in at the same time at the same radio station in Toronto. Um, we're both pretty much, you know, identical in age. We all, we, both of us watched the same games. Uh, we went to different universities. He went to Western, I went to Guelph. But other than that, like, we kind of, we kind of had parallel childhoods when it came to hockey uh, and all watched the exact same thing. Um, but a, a, as far as, you know, why does it work? I mean, some people will probably tell you that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, other people might tell you that it does. Um, so I, I think that's probably a matter of personal preference. But I think underlying all of it, there's a, as much as we joke and kid each other, I think there's a, I think there's a baseline of respect between, uh, between both of us. And I certainly respect everything that Elliot does in one of the most difficult positions in the industry uh, in a very stressful position as well. But I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, we're fully committed to this sport, always have been, and, you know, probably always will be. 
for sure. Jeff Merrick is our headliner for Mr. Reuter on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. When you were talking about just even guys off of David Schlemko's team in Medicine yeah. Hat, uh, uh, you know, a long time ago, you have you have that gift of having that memory of maybe watching a player, seeing a player, um, you know, doing a re- reporting on a player from years and years ago, and then even last week. And but you can remember all these guys. Is that just have you always had that? And, and how do you kind of um, you know relay that information to all your listeners and viewers? So I blame my parents. Now, here's here's where I'm going with this one, Kevin. So uh, when I was a kid, and this is obviously pre-internet. <laughs> you know, I'm 54 years old. This is all pre-internet. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what my parents would do is they would drop me off at the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is back then it was on the, on the CNE grounds, not at uh, Young and Front Street where it exists now in downtown uh, Toronto, but it was on the CNE grounds, and I would go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, which actually turned into my babysitter in a lot of ways when you hear the story, they would drop me off the Hockey Hall of Fame and I'd have a notebook with me, okay, like a school notebook. Mm-hmm. And I would write down everything that I saw there. So, like, I saw a plaque. I would write down all the information. I'd watch a video. I'd sit there. I'd watch it over and over again. I'd write down all the information. Like, it'd be, it'd be like it, honestly, like, they could leave me there for hours you know, go to the CNE with, uh, you know, with, with my sister and go and do the rides and all that stuff. And I would just be fascinated. I wanted to read everything in the Hockey Hall of Fame while they watch all the videos over and over and over again. And then I'd just come home and between, you know, reading hockey books and reading, you know, my own notes that I, that I took from going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, where my parents would leave me, by the way, as like a seven or eight year old, Kevin, which is probably why they were never on the cover of, you know, Modern Parent magazine. <laughs> Don't do this with your children. Uh, I, I think that's where I think there's what that that's where it all comes from. I, I've always been, you know, fascinated with the sport, fascinated with the stories, fascinated with the history. Um, just love it. And from an early age, I was just in note taking mode, just for my own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no designs to ever think that I was going to work in this industry. You know, at a certain level, it became obvious that I was never going to play in the NHL. I was a you know, struggling goaltender growing up. And when I didn't get drafted into the OHL, I, I kind of shut it down. Um, but, you know, from, from pretty much day one, I, I wanted to know everything about this sport. I, I guess that's the nature of obsession. Instead of going wide, you go deep. And I just wanted to go as, as deep as possible on the sport from a, from a very young age. Uh, Jeff Merrick is our guest on Sports 1440. Do you like to go back, um, like, for instance, personally for me, I, I was lucky enough a couple years ago to sit with Glenn Hall at his great-grandson's uh. game for three three hours, sat there for three hours, listened to Glenn for the whole game. Do you like to go back to, like, the you know, the older generation? Yes. And yes. so what's that, what are some of those experiences like for you? You know, and 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 it's and it's unfortunate too because you know we're you know we just lost Bobby Bond not too long ago. Um, uh, Henry Boucher just died um, a couple of days ago. Like people from the bygone era, like mm-hmm. we're we're starting to lose. You know, every year that goes by, we lose a, a piece of that generation and a lot of that oral history, and that's where a lot of it exists. You know, I'm I'm really fortunate to have both made friends and been part of a group called the Society for International Hockey Research. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, really smart people mm-hmm. uh, in that group. Uh, some great writers like uh, Todd Deneau. And I always recommend to anybody reading uh, his book, The Greatest Game, which is about the Red Army Montreal Canadiens New Year's Eve game, um, which is one of the best hockey books I ever read. He's also written a great book about Jacques Plante as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Paul Pascu, who, for my money, is the best hockey researcher in the world uh, as part of that group, and I've struck up a friendship with Paul that, that dates back decades um, now. So I, I've, I've kind of sat in this, you know, privileged, privileged seat in being part of this, you know, the, the media end of the hockey industry. It affords you the opportunity to, to meet a lot of people um, in and around the game, players, coaches, executives, managers, and researchers, authors, people that write and think about the game. Yeah. And somehow, Kevin, I've been able to sort of wedge myself in. It's been a very accidental career, but uh, but I'm really fortunate for it. I've met some great people and and people that I can that I can learn from. And I love being around these types of people because, you know, as as, as Mike Pinball Clemens uh, told me once. If you're the smartest person in a room, that's your fault. Try to surround yourself with people that know more than you. That's the mm-hmm. only way you're going to grow. And, you know, thankfully I've been able to, to do that in hockey. But I, I love talking. I love sitting and watching games with people that have gone through it. I love watching, like, I love watching videos mm-hmm. where, you know, um, uh, where, you know, you have, you know, people, uh, athletes from different generations watching that game, people that were involved in that game. And they sort of, you know, every couple of minutes, you cut back to, you know, like Ken Dryden. Okay, tell us about 72 mm-hmm. in, you know, game four in Vancouver and what's going through it. Like things like that, I am endlessly fascinated by. Um, and sitting in this sort of privileged seat, I get to meet these people and, you know, I can I can ask them all my goofy arcane questions <laughs> about all of it. So it's, it, that, that, that is a real issue. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the best people that I've ever sat and watched hockey games with was Bill Waters, uh, former right. agent, um, former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, longtime broadcaster as well. Bill just turned 80 uh, not too long ago. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of people like mm-hmm. that that are out there. And I, I really hope that, you know, if you're a hockey fan, you have someone in your life that you can sit and watch old hockey games with because it's a it's a treat and the treasure listening listening to old timers talk about the games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're pretty lucky. Uh, Jeff Merrick's our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, our our Tuesday co-host Jeff is Grant Fuhrer. Every Tuesday oh. he comes on. Um, and last week, uh, so we had Charlie Huddy on with him, and and then we had uh, <laughs> Kelly Rudy on with Grant. Oh, well, great. So, oh, wow. So Kelly and, and Grant just went on and on and on talking about old times and old things and going back uh, like to the 1994 Wayne Gretzky friendship tour when they were overseas and things like that, the, yep. the stuff that you and I remember, and we, we just uh, enjoyed those old stories. Uh, so you mentioned you were an old goalie. Did you have some favorite goalies that you were uh, like following, looking up to, yep. or fans Absolutely. of when you were a kid? Absolutely. So I was too young for 1972, but 1976 was the first major tournament, major international tournament that I can remember. And that was uh, uh, Canada Cup 1976. And as much as everybody might want to look back and remember, you know, the might have been the last hurrah for for Bobby Orr. He was great in the tournament. Make no mistake about it. Um, Dennis Potvin, great in that tournament as well. Daryl Sittler with the uh, with with the goal against Vlad Zarilla. At the Montreal Forum to give uh, to give Canada the, uh, the, the 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 tournament win, for me the star of the show was Rogi Vachon. Hmm. So there were there were two goalies for me. One was Rogi Vachon, um, who played, of course, you know Montreal and certainly the Los Angeles Kings. Never got a chance to watch him a ton because he played in Los Angeles and we didn't see a lot of those games in Toronto. But Rogi Vachon was a big one for me. 
because of that performance in 1876. But I was a big Mike Palmatier guy, mm. um, big flamboyant right catch goaltender. Uh, every every time he changes equipment, whether he changes stick, he'd be using a Canadian one day, and then he would <laughs> change to using a, a Vic, and all of a sudden, like, hey dad, can I get a Vic hockey stick? Or now Palmatier is using a Coho, and can I get a cheater on my glove? And oh, now he's gone to a DNR blocker. Can I get a DNR? <laughs> like it was that level, Kevin, yeah. of sort of f- fanaticism that I that I had about. So my, I still have, I'll tell you, it's so embarrassing. I still have my old Mike Palmatier scrapbook. You know, with mm-hmm. I, every time there's a picture of Mike Palmatier in the Toronto Star, I would cut it out and put it in the scrapbook. And I uh, just loved it. I was looking at it not, not too long ago and going down memory lane of my adoration of, of Mike Palmatier. But but those were the big two for, for me growing up as a goaltender. Mike Palmatier, who I just adored, but the Rogi Vachon performance in 1976, here's this mm-hmm. smallish goaltender who's standing on his head and you know helped Canada win that uh, that glorious tournament. Which I which I believe, like I think that was the team that team Canada. I'm gonna I'm sticking my neck out on this one on your show here. I hope okay. I'm right. I think that team put more players in the Hockey Hall of Fame than any other team in the history of the sport. I think that 1976 team Canada team has the most. Hockey Hall of Famers in it. Well, uh, you're probably right. I mean, uh, the only other one I could think of is maybe 87 because I think 70, 72 maybe was probably a little bit too early and there's a lot of guys that on that team that weren't, maybe people don't really remember that maybe had the accolades and maybe were uh, the big time True. big time names and True. big time players. But still, I mean, great, great players for sure. Uh, yeah. We want to, just a couple more if you got time, a text coming yeah, in for, for you, Jeff, from Hampton Steve. Uh, similar to asking why Jeff and Elliot work well together, uh, can you ask uh, him why uh, him and Greg Wyshynski also worked so well together? Uh, they oh, are, man, I love that. Yeah, they are much more opposite than Jeff and Elliot. So kind of discuss that that dynamic. You know, that dynamic was sort of Canada-US. You mm-hmm. know, that was, so that yeah. was the MVSW podcast that we did, you know, when I when I left CBC to go to Rogers Sportsnet. You know, I sort of, I, I lost my daily radio show. I was doing Hockey Night in Canada Radio on Sirius every day and, I like the discipline of doing something every single day or broadcasting every single day. And Greg was working for Yahoo at that point, and they had just canceled his podcast with Rob Pizzo, and we were sort of commiserating over the phone one day and talking about how we both lost our daily properties here, and we kind of had one of those, you know, your chocolate's in my peanut butter kind of (laughs) moment, like, hey, why don't we put this together? Uh, the dynamic was different because he was very coming at it, coming at it from a, um, you know, he was a, a, an American hockey viewer and I was a Canadian hockey viewer. I think we both took a sort of lighthearted approach uh, towards the game and looked for, like, unlike this property that I do with Elliot, where it is a news lead, this is the sort of, okay, how does this thing work? Let's have a look under the hood. It sort of tries to answer the question, how does this work? Um, I think the MBSW podcast kind of worked because that pod, more than anything else, Kevin, looked for the humor in hockey. Mm-hmm. So there are two very distinct perspectives, two very distinct things, and where Elliot and I, you know, look for news and you know, uh, trying to describe how the industry is working. That one was always looking for the punchline, and it was much more of a personality-driven pod. Um, Great question, though. Great question. Well, I mean, again, a different dynamic, uh, but. Still, yeah. that cohesiveness, I guess, right? A hundred percent. And we were just, we we're just great buddies too, and it was a great laugh. Mm-hmm. Like we just had, it just had flat out fun more than anything else. It was just like an hour of my day <laughs> where I would just talk about hockey with Greg and laugh. It was great. We had so much fun. 
Um, wrestling. What's your yeah. um, your love of wrestling? Did you also did you like uh, did you watch a lot of Stampede wrestling, which you know obviously originated out here in Calgary? Yeah. But what was your what's your your connection with wrestling early on in your career? So it's so funny. So I just flew back from from Edmonton late last night, and I finally finished <laughs> reading the Eighth Wonder of the World: The True Story of Andre the Giant. <laughs> Uh, by written by Bertrand Hebert and Pat Laprade, who's one of the great wrestling researchers uh, of, of all time. So it's funny that you bring up wrestling. Um, you know, I grew up going to Maple Leaf Gardens for a couple of reasons. One, for Toronto Maple Leafs games. Um, two, for Toronto Marlboros Junior Games. Three, for Toronto Toros WHA games. And I also went for wrestling. You know, my dad would always take me to, you know, pro wrestling events. And as much as I look at Maple Leaf Gardens and think about that as a, one of the hockey meccas. Mm-hmm. I also think about it as the wrestling mecca as well. And it was, it was you know, it was a, basically a tiny promoted event. Um, they shared a lot of, like, there's a lot of great photographs that come out of Maple Leaf Gardens for both hockey and wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the Tarofsky brothers. Nat Tarofsky, <laughs> who I still consider one of maybe the, the best, you know, hockey photographer of all time. He's also a great wrestling photographer like that brother act was was phenomenal when it when it when it came to photographs um but much like i fell in love with um uh with hockey at an early age i fell in love. I, I don't watch a lot of wrestling right now like none of the new stuff i'll go back i'll go to youtube and watch old wrestling matches all the time and i probably always will <laughs> i don't have the time right now to watch a ton of stuff that's new mm-hmm. um but i remember going to my first my first my the first card that my dad took me to I've always tell people. I always tell people, Kevin, yeah. wrecked wrestling for me forever, <laughs> and and here's why: because the main event of that match was Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, and it was over the uh, Mid Atlantic U.S. title. And I remember watching this thing, and like this is one of the best, you know, uh, in ring feuds of all time, with two of the best <laughs> workers of all time, with two of the best performers of all time. And I remember going home on the subway with my dad and thinking to myself. Wow, I kind of thought that that's mm-hmm. what all wrestling was, not knowing that I saw you know two of the best performers ever in my first main event. I thought, wow, wrestling is awesome. If it's all like this, what a great sport. Now I learned later that it wasn't <laughs> all like that, and I had just seen you know maybe the best match that I ever saw live was my very first main event, but I didn't know, and and that sort of you know that sort of lit it for me. And it was easy to be a wrestling fan in Toronto because. You know, Saturday afternoons, uh, we could watch AWA wrestling mm-hmm. out of Minnesota and Winnipeg at noon. Uh, and then there was Maple Leaf wrestling at one, which is a combination of uh, Canadian uh, Canadian matches. And also, Tony had an association with Crockett in Mid-Atlantic. <laughs> so you got Mid-Atlantic Championship wrestling. Then at three o'clock, there was the Al Tomko promotion out of Vancouver. <laughs> so you could watch that. And then at four o'clock, if you really hung in there, you could watch Roller Derby. And that's where I fell in love with like skinny mini Miller and, and these types of people. So <laughs> Saturdays I would have, you know, my own hockey in the morning and then I would get home and plunk my butt on the couch yeah. and watch pro wrestling and roller derby. Welcome to a young Jeff Merrick. Man, you remember everything. <laughs> I, I got to tell you a quick story and I apologize to our listeners yeah. because I, I, I told it on Monday uh, because we had Brett, uh, the hitman Hart, Gregor on Gregor show on Friday. Nice. So nice. Uh, my neighbor... Uh, Danny Babyface Walowski used to wrestle with Stu Hart back in the 50s and, uh, yeah. you know, a long time ago. Anyway, they're, they're, uh, they were going to an event 
and their car hit the ditch and it was uh, the, the they had the slips on and the tires they couldn't get out of the ditch they had to they couldn't push the car out so Stu Hart and and Danny Babyface Wolowski and the Thompson twins who were in the back seat lifted yeah. the car out of the ditch they lifted it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, I'll, I'll tell you what like there's I have a I have a real soft spot in my heart for um, uh, Canadian wrestler, Canadian independent wrestlers and uh, hockey scouts in mm-hmm. in the West specifically, and you know this better than I do. You're right there. But the amount of travel on like really dangerous snowy roads and icy roads, whether you're a wrestler trying to get to a the next city to make you know your fifty dollars or whatever it is, if you're a, if you're yeah. an independent wrestler, or if you're a scout and is going to go watch one period here and then drive through a snowstorm to watch two periods later on in the afternoon and swing by so you can see you know the third period of another game and maybe talk to a coach and a player. Like it's, I, I think that we don't pay enough attention just to how dangerous travel can be when you're a scout or whether like for the purposes of this conversation, when you're a pro wrestler and everybody has those stories and everybody has those stories too, to your point of cramming in as many wrestlers in one car as possible, like a clown car because they want to save money and (laughs) not just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll spend a hundred bucks trying to get a rental car. So some of those stories is I'm sure you've heard are are legendary. Yeah, for sure. Hey Jeff, I really, really enjoyed this. I hope you did too. A lot better than just talking about uh, who the Leafs fourth line center was going to be on day one of training (laughs) camp, right? Well, I mean, it might be Noah Gregor. (laughs) It could be. So we'll, so, We'll see. It could be good enough for the Gregor family. Yeah, for sure. Uh, appreciate uh, your time. Uh, have fun, and uh, we'll be uh, checking out 32 Thoughts with you and Elliot again. Call anytime, Kevin. It's been, uh, my, it's been my pleasure. All right. That's uh, Jeff Merrick, our headliner, uh, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. Uh, Duke, here is a plumbing, tri- plumbing tip number three for the week. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Right, we had, we had. Uh, I'm writing all these the down pipes. so I can. Uh, and and uh, what was the guy that texted in? Don't talk about uh, pipes freezing up yet. Um, water heater maintenance. Drain your water heater annually to remove sediment buildup, which can affect efficiency. Consider scheduling a professional water heater inspection and maintenance. Are you on top of that, Duke? That's that's when we actually do uh, probably more even than that uh, regular in terms of regular occurrences at the farm in mm-hmm. the uh, in the dairy barn, the hot water tanks there because they are running at uh, full tilt all the time. So just like the the reed said, there want to keep them as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the well water, of course, tends to have a little bit extra sediment in it too. So you want to make sure that you're not clogging up your your machines or anything. What what are the names of those? Uh, the, well, maybe it's just a heating bar that you throw in in the winter. Uh, so the water doesn't freeze, like say in the you know. Oh, like in the in the water trough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's different brand names of yeah. them, and, and different uh, manufacturers make them. But certain like water bowl heaters, like out outdoors one, they like some of them have them built into the bottom of the water bowl, and then there's other ones you can actually plug in and like drop into say a um mm-hmm. a, a plastic one or something to help keep it. My sister uses one for her goat's water um, <laughs> in the fall and spring. So. Uh. Plumbing tips, farming tips. You just come to Sports 1440. That's all we got, man. We're on top of the game. Uh, top of the hour, we'll uh, check in with Matt Tassoni, um, uh, NAX Hockey Academy. Um, he was actually lined up by our good buddy, uh, David Schlemko, who's not feeling 100% today. Uh, Schlemmer will be back next week. Uh, but at the top of the hour, we'll uh, hook up with Matt Tassoni, but uh, we'll get into some of your texts and uh, check in with uh, Oilers, 
physicals, medicals. A couple comments from Jason Greger, who's down there this morning. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Ah, that is Mike Reed, walk on faith. Former Cincinnati Bengal turned country singing superstar. The Duke pulls one out again. Uh, Jason Greger is uh, down at Oilers training camp, has been uh, kind of reporting on a few things. Uh, um, um, Adam Ernie, uh, he says, will wear number 21. Oilers released their training camp roster. 31 forwards, 19 defensemen, six goalies. Um, Greggs has obviously talked to a few guys coming out of the room. You kind of heard Mark Spector say, well, they go in groups. So you do the fitness testing. You do everything, da-da-da. Then you come out and they just kind of scrum a few guys. Uh, uh, this is from Jack Campbell, courtesy Jason Greger. I'm excited for the season. I learned a lot last year. As tough as it was, it allowed me to grow. Uh, he added that he's confident he can play like he did the previous few years and can elevate his game. Emphasized often how much he is focusing on having fun. Um, Greg's also interviewed Stuart Skinner. I believe, uh, and this from Stuart Skinner that worked with Dustin Schwartz and Tristan Jari this offseason, says he feels more comfortable entering the year, knows what he expects after playing a full season. Uh, this from uh, Stuart Skinner, quote, it was a bit different with more people saying hello. I'm still the same Stuart Skinner, just more people know who I am now, I guess. A lot of people asked about uh, Bo, his son, that's cool. Skinner uh, on what uh, changed and uh, now that he's the starting goaltender for his hometown team. Um so, yes, training camp underway with the Oilers. We're going to try to hook up with uh, Jason Greger around 1020. Uh, we've also got Derek Martin kind of will juggle the balls here a little bit. Derek Martin's head coach and GM of the uh, Cameras Kodiaks at that time. And then we're going to have Matt Tassoni on at the top of the hour uh, from NAX uh, Hockey Academy. So, um, so uh, big NFL day in the sense for fantasy football, Duke. And you said you... Spent a whole lot of dough on the waiver wire last night. Yeah, well, some reports coming out of Cleveland here this morning, um, not necessarily confirmed yet, but likely to be soon, that uh, the Browns are, in fact, bringing Kareem Hunt back into the fold there in their in their backfield. And uh, yesterday, well, the last couple of days, I've changed my claim amounts on uh, my uh, my one fantasy league who where I did own Nick Chubb, of course, now out for the season, and uh, who knows if, if even longer. So I spent a ton of my uh, my free agent money on Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt and as well uh, upstart rookie wide receiver Tank Dell out of Houston. Oh, uh, I liked yeah. what I saw from him last weekend. So um, I had a couple players that, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. um, liking what so far, of course, dropping Chubb. I'd been holding on to Will Levis, uh, thinking he might work his way to the starting position. Tennessee didn't. And Rashad Bateman's been a bit of a dud so far in Baltimore. So Very. those are three guys I was happy to drop, but... We have 200 uh, fab dollars to spend over the course of the season in this league, and I uh, I just spent 125 of them in one <laughs> one day, you. and uh, outspending a couple of them were close calls. The cream hunt I only won the bid by ten ten dollars or so, but uh, the other ones were quite uh, quite overspends if you compare them to what I was up against. But of course, I wanted to be sure because without mm. Nick Chubb, my team uh, yeah. could pretty much be off uh, off the rails right away. Did New Orleans receiver Raheed Shahid go in the first week with your fab guys? Um, did, did in most in both of my leagues, yeah. he was already drafted. Yeah. Because uh, okay. my one league's a dynasty, so we draft rookies every year. Uh, so he was picked, and I believe he was a late round pick um, in my super flex league uh, as well. So I don't think he was on the waiver wire week one. Uh, in the Doopies League, uh, 
Here's Gregor again. He's so tight, he won't spend any fab dollars. So he waits for everyone to, to do their picks. So he waits and then gets up at 527 in the morning and puts in a request for Robert Woods uh, for Houston and gets rid of Allen Robinson. So Gregor does that just so he doesn't have to pay a dollar or whatever. Um, uh, our big guy, so Josh Reynolds went for 33 bucks wide receiver in Detroit, had a couple touchdowns. Um, I'm hoping that Jameson Williams will be the guy when he comes back in six weeks, or six games, I guess. Um, but uh, Rashid Shahid went pretty high in ours as well, but uh, not a lot. I mean, we, we talked about this last week. I mean, there's a lot of, all the movement has to kind of happen almost earlier. It seems like the longer you wait for all your dollars, you're not going to get anything at the end, end of the year because guys have, you know, it's not like baseball where you're bringing guys up and, you know, there might be a, a trade with another another league. So it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, the I, I, so many seasons passed, I've come to the end of the year and had way too many uh, fab dollars left. And so right now, like I, I'm off to a decent start. Or we, mm-hmm. we discussed it last week, my miraculous win in week one, thanks to the Jets defense. Uh, came away with another one uh, this week too. But in, in this league, we also play against the average score in the league that week so despite winning two games i'm also two and two because my point totals weren't very high in these two weeks so um neat i said well i'm still floating in there i can't afford to take a week off and yeah. fall to two and four or something so i you know you got to spend money to make money <laughs> as the phrase goes so spend it if you got it shelled out a ton of uh, ten of a ton of fab bucks and hopefully we'll see some results as I now possess the uh, entirety of the Cleveland backfield. For sure. Uh, top of the hour, we will hook up with uh, Matt Tassoni. If you've never heard of him, neither have I. Uh, but before that, Mitchner Allen Auctioneering, next public timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Make your bids at info at maauctions.com. And time now for a sports update. Here's the Duke.